0: This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 423, recorded Tuesday, March the 12th, 2019. Welcome to the program, everyone. Welcome to the program, Jason. How are you doing tonight? I am doing just fine. Thank you, Christopher. Did you enjoy this sort of finally spring-like day we had here? It was I thought it was glorious out today. It was sunny. It was above zero, above the freezing point, and I was walking around in a light jacket and felt good about it.
1: Good, good for you. I didn't notice until about uh, five o'clock this afternoon. When you were forced to
0: leave the confines of Uh, your basement.
1: Well, when I was allowed to leave the confines, I was on a uh, conference workshop that started at about eight o'clock this morning and ended at around five. So I was tethered to my desk, drove me crazy, but uh, I finally (laughs) walked outside. I'm like, yep. Don't need this coat. And walk back in <laughs> and change my coat into something a little uh, a little more appropriate to uh, this weather.
0: Got rid of your parka and put on your light spring golf jacket. I didn't wear. I wore just a shirt. <laughs> oh, that's so. You were really enjoying nice. the weather. Yeah,
1: it was. It was. It was. It was. It was beautiful. I wish I would have known that it was nice out all day instead of being stuck in my uh, uh, office.
0: Which is in the basement of my house. You could have, you could have walked Tim, Tim, Tim Hortons to get a coffee. It would have been beautiful.
1: I could have if I could have brought my whole computer and internet with me so that I wouldn't have to lose connection to the conference call that I was on.
0: Oh, God. Well, you know, that's life. Sometimes you miss the nice days because you have to make a living for your family. Yep. And sometimes you miss the sleeping time at night because you have to record a podcast for the internet. And that's what we're here to do right now. Dedication, my friend. Dedication. It's important. Sleep is for the week. I think so. Not really. (laughs) Well, we are here to discuss Season 9, Episode 13 of The Walking Dead. So let's get right into it. Hey, this is The Walking Dead, Episode (coughs) 13, Choke Point.
1: (coughs) Season 9, Episode 13 of The Walking Dead, Choke Point. Guys, I think we're... At a choke point here.
0: Choke point. And now, season nine, episode thirteen of The Walking Dead. Choke <tails surgical noise> mathemat- <intake> Thank you very much, Damien in Virginia, Dave in Maberley, Ontario, Benjamin on the internet, Daniel on the internet, and Wayne on the internet for those title reads. And you know what I like about that, Jason?
1: Uh, what? That the, it's easier to do. A choking sound on audio, but it's very difficult to point on audio only podcasts?
0: <laughs> exactly. It's easy. That's exactly what I was going to say. Was it? Well, I mean, what I was actually going to say is that the first one, Damien, and the last one, Wayne, kind of had the same idea there, which I like, and I thought it bookended the block of title reads very nicely.
1: Yeah, it did. Made me uh, miss smoking a little bit. Is that what you sounded like when you used to smoke? <laughs> no, but it's still funny. <laughs> <laughs> I never really had phlegm issues. Well, not yet. No, not yet. And I quit. It's it's coming up on twelve years, I think, this oh, February. Congratulations! Next well, February.
0: Right, right. Yeah, we're uh, we're almost as far away from February as we can be right now. So, <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Um. Anyways, thanks you guys for all those title reads. Those were great. So let's get into the episode. We start this week. Right where we left off last week, we have Daryl, Connie, Henry, Lydia, and Dog. Don't forget Dog. They're running away from the Whisperer's camp. They pause in the forest, and Daryl reveals that he's decided they're going to Alexandria to, instead of the hilltop, uh, because it's closer. And Lydia suggests that Alpha's going to destroy Hilltop now. She's going to be so pissed off that they came to take Henry and ended up taking Lydia, that she won't be able to restrain herself anymore and she'll go after Hilltop. Um, Henry suggests that they can just run away, that he can run away with Lydia, which means that she'll have no reason to go back to Hilltop. But that's not such a great idea, according to Daryl. He says things like, think of your mom, Carol, you know, you can't just leave. And uh, they don't really agree with him, I don't think. But at the same time, it gives something for Henry to think about, I'd say.
1: Well, it also doesn't solve the problem. I mean, the problem right now is, uh well, they've got two separate problems. One is get away. And the second problem is Alpha is going to be pissed and mm-hmm. she's going to take it out on uh, some community probably because she knows who did this. So running away solves problem A. Let's just, well, it doesn't actually. They still have to get away. So they don't solve that problem. Right. they got to solve that problem regardless. What they do afterwards doesn't solve problem B. Uh, Alpha still going to be pissed even if they, you know, head to, uh, Seattle or they go to Miami or they head to Cancun, wherever they go, uh, she's still going to be pissed at the hilltop and
0: she's going to go after them. Right. So it, it doesn't really solve their problem. It, it sort of puts them in, at safety or in a safe place, but it leaves everyone else just, just fend for themselves. Right. It's yeah, like, at so- least
1: tell them about it. It's like, yeah, we pissed off, uh, we, you know, we stirred up a harness nest there. And uh,
0: they're coming this way. We're going to go. So (laughs) good luck. (laughs) Enjoy your time here. We're going to be hanging out in Cancun where it's beautiful and sunny. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, if you're going to be in the zombie apocalypse, do it in Cancun. Well, some would argue you should do it in the far north where at least in the winter the zombies all freeze and can't move.
1: Well, I'm thinking little islands, right? I don't Mm. know much about Cancun. I've never been there, but it's probably... Is it, is it an island? Is it on an island? No, it's the mainland of Mexico. Oh, well, then someplace with an island. Okay. There might be little islands around there. Yeah, right. lots of uh, Caribbean island, There's probably lots of them down there. They're probably all pretty nice. Yeah. You can hunt some boars. You could eat some coconuts. You could eat some mangoes. Uh, you know, there's probably a smaller population than, say, uh, Manhattan, uh, which is also an island, sort of. And uh, I think that would be rather nice. Like, to, to hang out there. Once you clear the island, there's probably not going to be an influx of more zombies at that point.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. It might take a while to do that, but in theory, it's possible, but you never want to let your guard down either, so.
1: Well, no, of course not. But, you know, you might have uh, soakers show up uh, walking along the bottom of the ocean and somehow managing, you know, get blown away from wherever they are in a storm and end up washing ashore. Right. So you have to be, you have to be careful. I would build a, a hut, a house in the tree. In the trees, right? Treehouse. go to sleep, you roll up the, uh, you roll up a thing like the Swiss Swiss family Robinson. You pull
0: up the ladder, you're good to go. Living in a treehouse, man, makes the zombie apocalypse sound not so bad. That's what I would do. Yeah. If I survived the first 10 minutes. Which you
1: probably wouldn't. So the point is all moot. Anyways. Yeah. And I wouldn't forget Dog, because
0: Dog is the leader of this group in this episode. Dog's the leader? Yeah. He's in charge, obviously. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Well- Um, At this moment, Daryl wants to leave one way back toward Alexandria, I guess, but Connie convinces them to basically go the opposite way. She's got something in mind. Daryl follows them after everyone else goes, including Dog. Exactly. And reluctantly, he sort of leaves and follows them because he's not going to go off on his own.
1: No, and that's what a good leader does. Is he takes input from all of, uh, all of the people around him and yep. then chooses the, the course of action. What happened there was everybody gave Dog all the input that they needed to give him, and then uh, this, then he ultimately decided what to do,
0: and everybody followed Dog. I mean, it looked like they followed her, but it was Dog that they were following. It was Dog. Okay, very good. I, I didn't really think of Dog as the primary leader in this group, but you might be onto something. Yeah, he's in charge. Well, we cut over to the Whisperer camp, and one of them is bleeding out of the neck up against a tree. Beta comes to see him and says that he's becoming, quote-unquote, one of them, but he will always be one of us. And during this scene, he also mentions the guy's wife, which I thought was a little bit unusual because it indicated to me that the whispers have actually held on to some of the customs like from the pre-apocalypse like era or society. And part of me thought, is this a little bit inconsistent with how they want to live like animals and not have, uh, you know, behave like animals, but here they are. This guy has a wife and, you know, some animals permanently pair bond, uh, right? Some do. No, it's not
1: just humans. It's, it's other animals. So it's, I think if sure live like animals,
0: but it's also in our nature to pair up. I guess so. Not that many animals pair up for life. I mean, I know some do. No, but we do. Human, generally. Humans do. We, some
1: Sometimes we few up, like a few. You get, like, groups of people together that, sure. like, hang out. Yeah, it happens. And some people are loners. But, you know, generally speaking, as a, as a, as a race,
0: we tend to pair off. I suppose. So, I, I, I mean, I guess it's not that weird, but the concept of marriage. I kind of seems like it's the sort of thing the Whisperers would leave behind, but maybe not. Maybe I'm just overthinking would you just, it. Would you say mate? Partner, mate? <laughs> I don't know. Mate? Your, your other half? Yeah. I don't know. Cohabitant?
1: <laughs> Co- well, yeah. I don't know. But Okay, so I got to say that this was probably it is the best thing about the whispers that i 've encountered so far the fact that they have this reverence for the uh, for the zombies uh, around them that uh, you know you will become one of them, but you will always be one of us. I thought that was amazing that they uh, i hadn't I thought about these zombies as uh, things they collected in order to use i didn 't think of them as uh, part of the family, like part mm-hmm. of the, the, uh, the inner organization, like, sure, you will die and become one of them, but you're still going to be with us. So that's okay.
0: Yeah, that's true. And th- we didn't talk about it, but the title of this episode is Guardians, which refer is, which is the way the, wa- the whisperers refer to the zombies. They- Last one. This one's choke point. Oh, sorry, choke point. The last one was Guardians, yeah. 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 Um, so yes,
1: he he mentioned Guardians You'll be one of the Guardians. So they're they're thought of as part of the uh of the Whisperers group
0: and not as necessarily separate. Right. But but also um Guardians as a real uh is is kind of a a respectful title for them. Like it, it gives is. them it gives them some uh credit or whatever. Like it it makes them an important part of yeah, the group, it, which obviously uh, they are. they're revered. Right. Exactly. So,
1: so, yeah, this, uh, and this idea I hadn't really considered before, and this is
0: the best thing about the whispers uh, yet. Yet. Okay. Well, look at that. You found something to like about the whispers. I'm happy for you. Yeah. Good. Uh, Beta goes to talk to another Whisperer who is more or less a, a tracker. This is like the, the hunter tracker in the Whisperer group and, and. Predator. He... Would you say Predator? Oh, possibly I'd, I'd predator. say Predator. Well, yeah, a little bit. They had dreadlocks. Like I know. Predator. I know. That comes up later, I think, actually. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is the person in charge of tracking where Daryl and Henry and Lydia and everybody went. Um, and Beta suggests that they get a fighting unit ready, which again tells me something about these Whisperers in that they they've thought about things like this. They have units of people, fighting units. Maybe they have uh farming units or you know running away units or something like that
1: fleeing units, fleeing
0: units you know we they, need a fleeing unit to get out of here <laughs> right we do engage the <laughs> fleeing unit um but again they have some kind of structure to their society they're not just a big group of random idiots wandering around just surviving where they can um and again i think that was interesting yeah Um it was good He's Which makes
1: me wonder what, uh, what unit that baby was a part of. Was that part of the, uh, intimidation unit? Uh, was that a fighting unit that went to, uh, went to the hilltop? Yeah. Uh, that they brought a baby with? Like what, what unit was that baby with? I mean, definitely
0: not the reproduction unit. Yeah. Not the, uh, the, the baby unit. No. Do they have a baby unit? I don't think they have a baby unit. No, they need. not many people have baby units. Um... I don't know. Maybe maybe the intimidation unit, I think, is a good one. The confusion unit. Yeah. The leave the baby there unit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The abandonment unit. That's not a good one to be in. Uh, Beta says that Lydia will walk with us again, or they will all walk with the Guardians. Nice. There you go. Go to opening credits, and when we come back, we are at the hilltop. They're preparing, putting the final touches on this... Preparations for the trade fair. I guess they're rolling down some really nice banners representing each community. I thought those were cool, and they had a really nice homemade look to them, in my opinion.
1: It did. It was. Uh, it's rolling out the welcome wagon, and a really good. Uh, I thought it was really good branding for the uh, for the different
0: communities. It was. They, they were. They were quite nice. We see them turning on some solar panels so they can have lights and things like that for their hoedown at night after the sun goes down.
1: You need a hoedown.
0: You do. You've got Carol and Nabila walking around, talking about how the fair's coming together really well. And she mentions, Nabila, Nabila mentions that one of the things this fair is celebrating is that they are all new people. They're not just warriors now, right? They've had to fight to survive for so long, and that's all anyone did. But now they have people doing different jobs. They have people farming. They have people blacksmithing. They have people doing all kinds of different things, just like a normal society would. And so... Um, Nabila recognizes that and she says the fair is celebrating these things.
1: Yeah. Which is exactly mirrors, uh, what Beta just said about the fighting unit. Right. I guess
0: so. Everybody has units. You're not that different.
1: Yeah. So they're, uh, they call them different
0: things and they do different jobs, but,
1: uh, yeah, these two societies are not that different.
0: Yeah, that's right. They are walking and talking. They see Jerry who seems to have just returned and he's got a small cut on his head uh, but he says he's okay. So uh the one thing they did show was a uh a big tiger. And I thought for a second oh, yeah. that
1: they stuffed Sheba and uh, stuck her up there, and I'm like, they better not have stuffed Sheba. Later on it shows it to be a paper mache yeah. uh cheetah or uh tiger. Yeah. But uh at first I'm like they I yelled at the TV. I said,
0: You better not have stuffed fucking. The tiger that would have, that would have really upset me. <laughs> no, but a paper mache tiger honoring Shiva is okay. Yeah, I have a friend who wants to be
1: stuffed. Like he he said that he said if I ever die, I want to be stuffed and I want to be put in a glass case, waving goodbye with a, holding a suitcase.
0: Can can you and, do that? Is that a thing you can do after you die? I don't, I don't know. I never really looked into it.
1: You know, he's married. That's his wife's problem now.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> Luckily, he survived long enough to get married. And remove the issue from your responsibilities. <laughs> uh, that's right. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not
1: a big fan of stuffing animals. Uh, no, no. I, I don't I'm... own any stuffed animals. I don't
0: think I'd ever stuff an animal. I mean, you, don't, sure you don't own any taxidermied animals. You, your son probably has the odd stuffed animal.
1: <laughs> oh, stuffed animal. Yes. Well, that's what I meant. Taxidermy animal. <laughs> like know. an actual animal that's been stuffed with sawdust and stuff. Because they don't just, like take out the organs. It's like mummification, right? They take out all the organs and all that stuff, uh-huh. and then they fill it with sand and other stuffing material. So they are technically stuffed. Right. Fair enough. But they're not like stuffies, like, you know, stuffed animals mm-hmm. like
0: Jasper has. Right. Anyways, I'm just glad they're honoring Shiva, not forgetting that, you know, she was an important part of this community for a while.
1: Well, they had a tiger on the banner,
0: their banner, right? Right. Like it's the their- kingdom's banner, has is a, a, their emblem is a tiger. Right. As it should be. Right. Yes. So Diane, Jerry seems to be kind of cool, but Diane is there and she's much more concerned looking and says that they need to talk to the King. So we go to talk to King Ezekiel uh, in his throne room, which is the theater. And Jerry explains that they got ambushed on the road. Uh, they got jumped by a group called the Highwaymen. Now, these highwaymen claim to own the roads around the kingdom. They want tolls for everybody who are coming to the fair. And if people don't pay the tolls, they won't be allowed to pass on their way into kingdom. Um, Diane suggests that maybe this is just a group of renegade saviors, possibly Jed's group. Mm. But of course, she doesn't know that Carol killed all of them, and Carol says, "Nope, not those guys. <laughs> <laughs> they don't write letters." Uh, well, a they don't write letters, and I'm not going to remind, I'm not going to tell you, but I all I burned them all in their sleep, so <laughs> um, they're dead. So it's not them, and their whole uh, the
1: the symbol, the what was it called, the carker cor- Clucks or whatever that symbol was. Oh,
0: um, oh, shoot! Now I forget that. Yeah, funny word. No. Not Horcrux out. is uh, Harry Potter, yeah, the coccyx is uh, your <laughs> tailbone.
1: <laughs> Anyways,
0: that symbol turns out to be theirs, yeah
1: Yes, yeah, so it's not uh, it's well, I thought they might have been one and the same, like if they got ambushed, they might have been uh, ambushed by the whispers and taken all their gear, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the whisperers, uh, so the symbol, whatever that that is called,
0: uh, it's not the whispers symbol, it's the the highwayman's symbol. It's the highwayman symbol, that's right, which I was slightly disappointed by because of when, after looking up that symbol and seeing how it represented certain things and how that kind of seemed to contrast what we had going on with these, our known communities versus the Whisperers, um, it seemed to fit nicely as a representation of the differences between the two. Turns out it's the Highwaymen, though, and they're not all that different from our regular communities here. Yeah. But they needed, uh, they needed to show their symbol on areas that they consider ownership over. So that's Mm -hmm. what they were doing. Now, everyone in this room, uh, decides that they have to keep the roads safe because, you know, it's their responsibility. This is their fair. They need people to be able to get to the fair or what's the point. So they decide to gather every fighter they can spare and they're going to do something about it. We just don't know what yet. We cut over to Tara and her group. They are on the road on their way to the fair. It's a whole bunch of them on their way, of course. Uh, Magna, Yumiko, Earl, Tammy, you know, their new baby that the (laughs) the Whisperer is left with them, uh, including more. And they come to a uh, block in the road, which is involving a downed tree and an old car. And they didn't worry about that. They just said, well,
1: must have blown over in a storm. It's like, no, dumbass. Take a look around. This is probably a barricade of some kind. This is how they used to waylay trains. Mm -hmm. They'd like bury, put
0: stuff on the tracks, and the train would stop, and then they'd
1: rob the fucking train. Well,
0: yeah, that makes sense, but I don't think every single barrier on the road is necessarily um, put there by somebody. No, but you should treat it
1: like it is. Oh, fair enough. It's like
0: when you pick up a weapon,
1: even if it's unloaded, you treat it like it's loaded. Absolutely. Right? First of all, you make sure, and then even though you are sure it's unloaded, you still treat it like it's loaded. Well, that's just it's, a respect for the weapon, right? It is, because it's dangerous. So every barrier in the road, you treat it like it's an ambush. Yeah. You don't unhitch your horses and put all your weapons down and they go, okay, let's start hauling stuff away and uh, might as well lay out a picnic since we're here. Uh, <laughs> it's like, no, keep your shit together, get the stuff out of the way, go two miles down the road and then have a picnic.
0: Sure. Mm-hmm. Once you're through and you're sure it's safe. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, I mean, they did set a perimeter. I did mention that they're yes. going to be setting a perimeter, so at least they're thinking about it, but they walked right up to the barrier, like, Doo, do de do de do, do do Oh, look, a tree in the road. Well, I guess we better move it. And set up a perimeter. Come on, and they're not totally they, useless. No, but they should have, even as soon as they saw it, they should have fanned out
0: and started scouting the woods. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, from way back. I guess so. Um, and they wouldn't have been, I mean, maybe surprised by the zombies that show up later, Uh, out of the forest, but for now, um, people start moving stuff and Earl wants to help. Uh, but you know, he stands there talking to Tammy about having a baby and this and that because they're the ones taking care of this new baby. Uh, Kelly is talking to Tara, I think, and she's worried about Connie and Daryl, but the others reassure her that Connie is okay because she's with Daryl and Daryl is okay because he's with Connie. Oh, Isn't that nice? That's sweet. It is. They both have such high, you know, respect for their, their fellow survivors that they're all going to help each other. I like it. Cool. Uh, back with Daryl's group and they come to what I would call a medium rise building. It's one of the bigger buildings we've seen on the show in some time, right? They've been sort of out in rural areas for a long time. We're not seeing a lot of buildings like this, I guess, since they were in the city, uh, in the in the uh, Season 9, Episode 1, Getting the Wagon.
1: Yeah. Now, even, I mean, to be fair, uh, now that I've you know lived in Toronto and uh, Pickering for such a long time, I would agree with you that it's a medium-sized building. But that building is like five stories taller than anything in the Sioux. <laughs>
0: well, okay. That's enough. almost
1: true, but it's still a massive building uh, according,
0: to, uh, according to what I grew up with. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. I am a city boy. I've lived in cities my whole life pretty much. So I'm accustomed to big, tall buildings. Um, this one didn't strike me as, as humongous, but bigger than what we've seen in a while, but I guess pretty small for small towns or sorry, pretty big for small towns. yeah. Yeah. Anyways, they come to it. Connie suggests that they go up into the building, which will create a choke point. Hey, that's the name of the show. How how about that? And Daryl agrees this is a good idea because it'll separate the living whisperers from the dead. Because those, if anyone follows them up there to try and capture them, it's going to be the whisperers. It's not going to be a whole huge herd of zombies because they're not so good with stairs or barricades. For some reason. Yeah, for some reason. I Um, mean,
1: whenever a human could walk through, a zombie could walk through, right? I guess so, but... Well, I mean, you'd not have necessarily. To, there's, it's like uh, it's like teaching a monkey to ride a bike. You have to have motivation, right? What would be the zombies' motivation for going up the stairs? It'd have to be a lot of noise, and it would have to be a lot of noise that was very directive in order to point them to the stairwell where they would need to, you know, climb up the stairs. They're not going to be able to reason out, "Hey, there's a noise up there. I better go and find a way up somehow." So maybe that's that's the thing: is that zombies are just like you know, bang their heads against the, the building if they heard a noise. Yeah. But uh, human beings would like open a door and go inside.
0: Right. Zombies don't typically do that. And if you barricade the stairs with a big pile of shopping carts, there's no way they can get through that. They don't have the ability to, you know, reason and move them out of the way or anything like that. So
1: yeah. to be fair, I wouldn't be able to get past a big pile of shopping carts. I'd be like, fuck that. (laughs) <laughs> I, again, it's a matter of motivation. Why would I need to get beyond that big pile? Because that's a lot of work to move those shopping carts, and there's no way I'm climbing over it. But you
0: could do it if you wanted to. Zombies don't even have the ability to do that. so
1: Maybe. It depends on, you know, maybe they were shopping cart moving or unpiling uh, as a career. You know, like, oh, somebody else... Put a big pile of shopping carts. I got to do this again. <laughs> and they hired themselves out to various communities for unpiling shopping carts, and this is their whole job. They did that for thirty years uh, before they became a zombie, and now it's it's their
0: bread and butter. Mm-hmm. It's what they do. It's they what do. they do. So, but what are the chances of that? Probably pretty slim. Pretty low. Yeah. Anyways, I think it's a pretty good plan that they've got here. Lydia says that Alpha will have sent Beta. After them, we know Beta's a big, scary dude. And Daryl's like, good, I can kill him first. Yeah, that's that's a good plan. Yeah. Thanks for telling us.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it shows confidence, that's for sure. Yeah, which is the trope. If they tell you the plan, it's not going to work. <laughs> if
0: they don't tell you the plan, it, it'll work. Yeah, all right. Well, we'll get to that. After a commercial break, we're back with Ezekiel and his He's taken out a team of, uh, what did he say, their uh, best fighters or every fighter they can spare. Mm. And they are surveilling the Highwaymen's compound. So. They found it pretty easy. Yeah. I, I guess they just figured where yada, it is. Yada, yada, yada. They're right there. They're, they're right there outside <laughs> the walls. Um, follow the signs, maybe? Follow the Highwaymen's signs on the roads? Yeah. Well,
1: pretty dumb of them to like only put signs Directing right to their compound.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, may, was there something in the letter they sent that indicated where it was? That seems well, like they, it would be a bad they choice. they said
1: the letter did have uh, instructions for how to make payments. So maybe this is where the payment was to be made. Maybe It's not their home compound. It's just happened to be where they're supposed
0: to bring payment. So this is like their accounting compound. Well,
1: it's the... Um, uh it's you know it's the mall that you're supposed to drop off the ransom when mm-hmm. you kidnap somebody, right This is just happens to be the location they've picked okay for this particular transaction
0: all right, so it's not so crazy to think that the kingdom folk would would know where to go to find these people, yeah, but they didn't say that no so no that's it's, true. they did
1: yada 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 over it a little bit, but they did mention earlier that it was that they that the letter included the instructions which. Okay. The letter included instructions for uh, making payment, which, you know, the first time the king saw this, he read the first bit of the letter and then handed it to Carol and said, it also includes a map and has instructions on how to make payment. It's like, well, how? when did you have time to read that, dude? <laughs> like, was there a heading, map and instructions to make payment? He, he just glanced over that and then handed it over. Yeah. Maybe that. He's a speed <laughs> just, reader. Maybe. I don't know. But he was he was reading the rest of the letter while he was reading part of it out loud. <laughs> well it's a special talent that only amazing the kids has. Yeah. oh he's an actor <gasps> maybe that's it that must be it he knows how to read lines
0: yeah well anyways they're outside their compound and they're kind of discussing what approach to take and ezekiel's all discouraged because he realizes that you know they're just trying to do something good here and violence seems like the only option for them again and he wishes that it wasn't didn't always come to that but Carol suggests that maybe they can talk to them instead of fighting. You know, they wrote a letter. It was grammatically correct. Maybe these people will be open to discussion rather than us just killing them all. And if not, then we'll kill them all, is what she says.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a toss-up. I mean, I, I was a little surprised that they came from Carol, but that's okay. Well, you know, Carol's default position is burn them alive but maybe she needs to get close to them in order to burn them alive so she needs to convince her people to help get her close so that she may burn them alive
0: maybe that's not the way it plays out i think maybe no of course not i think maybe over the 6 years carol has calmed down a little and isn't necessarily all about burning people alive or making them look at the flowers all the time because okay. you're right this is this is her approach Um, or maybe she just realizes that attacking these people is a bad idea because their strengths are unknown and they do apparently have some guns. They can see that. So it might not be the best idea to just storm in there and try to take them out because they have just as good an opportunity to kill all of them. Um, you know, if they try that, so. Right. Well, she's a reverse Samson man. Yeah, you know, With the long hair,
1: like Samson's got, had all of his power from his long hair when they cut it, uh-huh. he was powerless. Maybe she grows her hair out. She's more calm. She's thinking about things. She's trying to do things peacefully. So we have to keep an eye out for when she cuts her hair, shit is about to get real.
0: Yeah, you might be right. <laughs> so we have to watch the hair. All right. Watch Carol's hair. It's a big deal. Okay. Uh, we go back over to Daryl. He opens the door into the building. He looks around with a flashlight And uh, then, you know, leaves, closes the door. Uh, (laughs) We see Connie and she's up in an unfinished section of this building where she pushes a table off a board under which is a hidden cache of supplies. And Daryl comes up and realizes that she's been here before. Yeah. Now note the sound
1: that this board makes when she slides it out of the way. I did not. So you're going to have to explain that to me. Well, it sounded like a board being slid across the, a dirty floor. Oh, okay. It made noise. Mm-hmm. All right. It was not silent. That'll become important later. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was something unusual about it, but nope,
0: the board no, made a noise. No, it was <laughs> the, this particular thing, nothing unusual about it. It all was right. perfect. Great. Um, as I said, Daryl realizes that she's been here before. Uh, and she says they made a stop here at one point, but they, they go to look at a floor plan of the place and decide what to do. They are going to, uh, cut some holes in the barricades up the two stairwells so that the whisperers can come up in a small group and they decide it's a good plan. And then once it's done, they quickly debate whether or not to take Lydia with them. Uh, Daryl doesn't want to, but Connie thinks they should because... Again, it's the right thing to do. She has no friends and, you know, they can't just abandon her back to the peep, the whisperers because that would not be right.
1: Yeah. Well, Negan doesn't have any friends either.
0: Well, right? he's got Why he's keep got him in jail then? He's got Judith. Invite him into the community.
1: You what? He's got Judith. Yeah, now. Now. You know, six years ago, he didn't have any friends. Anyway, it's just, I mean, it's obviously not the same thing, but it's inconsistent for the show, but that's that's a such a weird point to make. I don't even know why I'm making it
0: all right, let's move on all right, back with Ezekiel Carol and everybody um her well, the two of them and Jerry are slowly walking through a warehouse and they meet up with a group of the highwaymen yeah
1: did you did you did you realize that it was the guy with the the mannequin
0: with the cowboy hat immediately I did, yeah, pretty much I mean. It's if you're going to have a, a new character like that, he's got to be got to be wearing a cowboy hat. But the room is dark and it's full of these mannequins and some of them are living. I thought this was kind of a, a a neat setup here. It seems like the group is really big, but it might not actually be that big because most of them are just mannequins standing around. Yep. Um, the highwaymen point guns and various other weapons at them and they basically start to negotiate. The highwaymen say they'll take you know what they have even if it isn't very much but the kingdom says they need what they have so we have nothing to give um at this point diane takes a shot through one of the mannequins head and then other hilltop people appear out of the shadows and you know raise weapons upon some of these highwaymen very sneaky very very sneaky Uh, And Hilltop proposes an alternate deal here. They said, you work for us and keep the roads safe for us instead of, um, you know, holding us ransom, basically. And in return, we'll give you access to the fair, so that the things you steal, you can trade for the things that you need. (laughs) Right? There you go. Yeah. (laughs) What a deal. We want to be your fence.
1: Right. We will fence your stolen shit for (laughs) other stuff. (laughs) Right. We'll be your friends and your fence. Yeah. This is the same deal we were thinking we'd give to the Whisperers. Is it? Right. Remember we were talking about, you know, the Whisperers could keep the area clean of all the zombies and monitor things and they could go out and be wild and they could just, they could work together instead of uh, opposing each other. All of a sudden we've got the highwaymen and uh, they just made them the same deal we were thinking of.
0: I guess so. I mean, there are ways to find mutually beneficial arrangements and Uh, You're right. We did talk about that with the Whisperers, but here we are doing it with the Highwaymen instead. This is exactly how you turn a
1: foreign agent. When things get real and you start to... uh, Things are combative, like you're 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 pinned down and they're pinned down and you're taking shots at each other. What you do is you offer them a deal. Come over to my side. We'll give you this. We'll let you live in a farm somewhere out somewhere and uh, we'll give you money and all this stuff. Just come on. Come on. We don't need to keep fighting. Just come on over here. So when things are stressful like that, that's a good time to turn somebody. Mm-hmm. You don't turn somebody when they're sitting in their living room watching TV and drinking a beer because they're comfortable. They're happy.
0: Sure. Right? Because yeah, that why makes wouldn't
1: sense. you be? But uh, so when you're under stress, that's when you offer them something that's less stressful. If you just do this one little thing and they go, you know what? That sounds reasonable right now.
0: Uh-huh. I can do that and yeah. everything will be all right. Well, the first thing here that happens, though, is the highwaymen kind of laugh this idea off. It, it doesn't appeal to them immediately. But then I think Carol does the thing that you are talking about exactly right now, she steps forward and says to them, wait a minute, guys, when was the last time any of you saw a movie? And everyone kind of looks around in disbelief <laughs> and we go to yep. a commercial break. But, uh, so we don't know exactly what happens quite yet at this point, but Carol is offering them dangling the movie carrot And hoping that that'll be just enough to be like, you know what? We haven't seen a movie in eight years and we want to see movies.
1: Was it just me or did you think that uh, she was offering them porn?
0: Uh, When was the last time you saw a movie? She's offering them the movie they're going to play for the friggin' kids with the movie bulb they stole from the theater. The
1: movie bulb can play any movie, even after the kids go to bed. I suppose... You're right. I mean, some of the earliest movies were porn like this. And even before that, like porn's not new. It's, it, it was around in, uh, uh, back in the 1850s when we're now trying to set this whole zombie apocalypse thing. So, uh, you know, porn's on the table. I'm just saying.
0: Uh, yeah, fine. Maybe it is, but I didn't think of it like that. I was just like, Hey, they're going to watch a movie and drink some fresh water Or whatever, and have a good time. So And and sell their stolen shit. And sell their stuff, right. Uh, So to be fair, I didn't think of porn till just now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But you could be on to something, who knows. Uh, Listen, before we move on here, I've got three holy craps about this scene. The first one comes from Amy in Stuttgart, Germany, who says, holy crap, how did they get Charlie Daniels circa 1979 to play the leader of the highwaymen? Now, I didn't know exactly what that means because I had to look up uh, Charlie Daniels. Um, I can look it up now. Okay. Turns out he is a country or maybe bluegrass musician who's been working since the 1950s. And if you look at him in the late 70s, does kind of resemble the leader of the Highwaymen, whose name is Ozzy, by the way. So, Charlie Daniels.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, yep, that's him. I knew I recognized the name,
0: but I couldn't place it. But uh, by golly, I placed it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Amy, for pointing that out. Certainly, uh, there's certainly a resemblance there. Don in Wisconsin has a bit of a longer holy crap, and he says, holy crap, Angela Kang's first significant mistake. The highwaymen are ridiculous. They were wooed by movies? Really? Come on. I mean, really? The new group is entirely unnecessary. The season doesn't need new plot lines to wrap up in the final three episodes, and now we have this probably poorly thought out group with which to reconcile. It just feels like the Heapsters and Oceanside from season seven, which were jarringly introduced and then given key roles down the stretch run. I'm not saying the producers need to stick entirely to the comics, but I don't trust their world building when they veer too far from the source material. And then just quickly on the flip side to that, Friend of the show Adam in Texas writes I totally loved seeing something we haven't seen since the Vatos in season 1. We see a group of hostile humans turn 180 degrees and become allies. That was just great. I could totally see John Dory leading them leading them too if the two shows ever intertwine. Good stuff. I wonder if they have run-ins with the Whisperers as well. So, let me go back to Dawn's holy crap here, Jason. What was your first thought when suddenly we have a new group being introduced to the show when we're still in the middle of the Whisperers? We still have lots of other plot lines and things going on. And they have a name, like a catchy name, like the Highwaymen. And they have a purpose to, you know, obstruct people getting to this fair and just cause turmoil on the road. What were your first thoughts?
1: My first thoughts were, uh, I'm glad that they made them into good guys real soon because it would have got really annoying if we had to put up with them being assholes for three episodes and all of a sudden they became good guys after that by having them turn immediately we can get on board with them being good guys they were introduced oh my goodness we have to deal with this new threat and they're good guys
0: and they're cowboys. But you don't know they're good guys yet. Like we cut away here before oh, we Oh, they're know- good guys. They're like when the kingdom was introduced. I mean, and- you knew
1: they were good guys because they were from the comic, but uh, we had people showing up on horseback with uh, friggin halberds uh, or something, right? We had, uh,
0: so we didn't know that they were good guys. They were just a new group of people, but they turned out to be good guys. Yeah, I know. But I was confused by all of this because my first reaction was similar to Dawn's in that like- I started thinking, what's going on here? Like, why do we need this new group? What purpose does this serve when we already have the Whisperers causing all kinds of havoc out there? The Whisperers could easily be the ones that are attacking people on the road and preventing them from getting to the fair. Their motivations might not be the same, but they could serve that purpose. So what is the deal with bringing in this group? group with the catchy name and then you know uh, the scene where Carol offers them the movie struck me as one of the most comic reliefy things the show has ever done in 9 years because it was so bizarre you know to it be wasn't a mis- bizarre it they was. set it up like two episodes ago no they did not they set up the movie as um as a thing to, like, bring the communities together to do something good for the kids, for everybody to make them feel normal again.
1: What do you think they're doing with these people? That's exactly what Carol's trying to do. She's trying to bring people together, and she's using the movie to do that.
0: But you do that for your own people. You don't do that for a group of hostiles that are threatening to kill you, I don't think. If
1: it, if it, uh, if it saves combat, you absolutely do. If it turns bad guys into good guys and brings them closer together and uh, these two communities can help each other, Mm -hmm. uh, then absolutely the movie is the perfect thing to do. I do agree with you that it was comic relief, but I don't think it was misplaced. And I think it was set up earlier, so it's okay.
0: Well, this scene, I I do agree that it all worked out in the end as well, because they turned them to allies within the same episode. And apparently, that's the first time that The Walking Dead has ever done that introduced a group of antagonists and made them allies before the episode was over. Um, but before that happened, my reaction was this seems silly. That scene with Carol seemed silly. And although the idea of the highwayman is not silly, a group of people like trying to extort people traveling around does make sense. It came across to me as unnecessary and it was a, it took it a little too far in terms of the comic relief, um, and the sort of plausibility of it all. It didn't for me. All right. Well, luckily it worked out in the end and I think it's, it's okay now. And maybe that's exactly what the show was trying to do. You know, they were trying to like play with my emotions too much and it totally worked on me. Um, but in this moment I was like, this is weird and I don't think I like it. I was on board.
1: The thing is, the movie would have worked for me. Six years without a movie, and if somebody offered to take me to the movies, Mm -hmm. I probably would do anything. Yeah. Well, what do you need? I'm on board. (laughs) I don't even care what the movie is. (laughs) It doesn't even have to be (laughs) porn. I don't care. As long as it's not Home Alone, I'm fine. Right. If it is Home Alone, I'm going to kill you anyway. (laughs) Yeah. If it's Die Hard, you you own me now.
0: I will now place my... I'm an indentured servant what do you need (laughs) (laughs) all right well anyways that's the way it is I think it worked out in the end but let's let's keep going here after our commercial break we are back with uh Henry and Lydia they're boarding up some windows I guess just getting ready for the impending whisperer attack now let me stop you there for a second okay the hammering Lydia's hammering. Oh, I know. There's and there's multiple scenes of hammering in this, this. episode. She did
1: a good job. I was. I was. I'm wondering if she is uh, an athlete or a musician because her hand-eye coordination. She was standing a little too awkwardly, but every swing of that hammer hit the nail exactly where it needed to be. Nothing was off. Nothing was weird. Uh, it was. Uh, it was really well done, and I thought that she has some transferable skills to hammering.
0: I thought you were going to say too much noise making with the hammer. Oh, no. Because that's what what I thought.
1: (laughs) It wasn't like a big, huge swings. I mean, some hammering is necessary. uh, And yes, noise is going to happen. But, you know, sliding that board across the the floor is also making noise. I suppose, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I was impressed with the hammering.
0: Oh, good. Well, that's one more thing that that she can do. Uh, She's a great actress. She's portraying the character well. And she knows how to hammer. Yeah. She's the, you know perfect she's perfect (laughs) uh so that's what they're doing henry brings a spear over to her that he's found it's more of a broomstick with a sharpened point on it and they talk about killing a little bit and lydia says that um she isn't sure if she wants henry to kill her people i guess she still thinks of them as her people i guess it is her mother so that makes sense and he says that he'll try not to he'll try not to but he can't make any promises yeah Um, But he also talks about how rescuing her was indeed the right thing to do and that, you know, if Alpha's going to keep coming after them, maybe they should, you know, run away. And she wants to know if he was really serious about that. Uh, He says yes, of course, and that he cares very much about her. They start kissing. And then, of course, meanwhile, Daryl has snuck into the room behind them. And as they start kissing, he interrupts them and says, uh, come on, quit it. You guys.
1: Yeah. That's what a good chaperone does.
0: That's right. Just let them get right to almost that point of making out and then shut it down.
1: <laughs> well, they got a job to do. I mean, make out on your own time. Right. Not when
0: you're at work. Yeah. We're trying to prepare for not dying here. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good time to start making out. Yeah. All right. Back with Tara's group on the road and Magna runs up and says they have sickos headed this way. So they organize to fight them off. Not knowing if it's whisperers or actual walkers, um, but they're at least prepared to try and watch for them at this point. So they start fighting. Meanwhile, Earl is hitching up the horses so they can get out of there as quickly as they can. But so he, he
1: unhitched the horses.
0: Yes, don't I don't know. Ask. maybe to like take them to the side of the road and let them have a snack on the grass or something. I don't know.
1: Well. Yeah, I mean that's probably the right thing to do, but it just it seems like a precarious
0: situation for unhitching the horses. Right, I'm not it's sure. Just, yeah, I would not unhitch the horses. Fair enough, but he's rehitching them. But he gets attacked by a couple zombies and gets knocked down and so- bitten. And what? And bitten. He's not bitten. Yes, he is. Didn't you see that? Oh, I mean, it kind of looked like it, but he's not bitten. He's okay and he's up and he's fine. Are you sure? I think he had a bite. Okay, well, I, far, as far as I know, he was just knocked down because Tammy puts the baby away in the baby trunk, which yeah, which is a great idea. Yeah. It's a it's a
1: baby, it's not really a cage. Uh it's like a it's like a cage you you get into as a diver to protect yourself from sharks. Sure it's a cage,
0: but it's not to keep you enclosed, it's to keep the bad things from chewing on you. Right. I think right? I think trunk is a pretty good description of what that thing was. Yeah, so the baby trunk. Right. So baby's safe in the trunk. And then she grabs like a piece of rebar or something, jumps down and starts stabbing walkers to save Earl. Yeah. And then the cowboy music starts. Is that when the cowboy music started? Yeah.
1: Just when the, cow- the cowboy music started and then we saw horses.
0: <laughs> all right. Uh, we have a quick call from Scott regarding this scene. Hey, Jason. Hey, Chris. This is Scott from Arkansas with my holy crap moment for this week's episode. Holy crap. Did you see that clash of the Titans, that battle royale, that smackdown that was Tammy versus the Walkers, Tammy regulating? Oh, yeah. And Darren Beto is pretty cool, too. <laughs> thank you, Scott. I realize now that playing that at this point kind of ruins the joke he's trying to make there. But uh, uh, anyways, <laughs> thank you, Scott, for that. She was pretty badass. She kicked ass. She killed at least like three Walkers saving her. Yep. so. Good for Tammy. I don't know if we've really seen her do that kind of thing before. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was. Good for her. Uh, now, suddenly, four or five guys on horses ride up and join the fight, and they say, we're the Highwaymen. And, of course, they yeah. are. We're, this, is, this is. I
1: actually yelled at the screen at this point. They've gone full cowboy. Like, they played cowboy music. Uh-huh. Guys showed up on horses. They were called the Highwaymen. The show has gone Full cowboy now. They were head setting up a, a cowboy town in Alexandria. Uh huh. Uh, this show is becoming a cowboy show. So, is this a good thing or a bad thing for you? It's kind of weird. Uh, I like cowboy shows, mm-hmm. that's that's true. Uh, some cowboy shows, but uh, it seemed a little odd. This part seemed a little odd to me. Like, I re- realized that the high women now being good guys because mm-hmm. that's what uh, we're, we're, I guess, we're supposed to worry about it, right? We're supposed to be like, oh my God, now the highway highwaymen are coming. Uh, what do we do? Uh, we, You know, now they've got two threats they have to fight with, but uh, it turns out they, it's help and not uh, to hurt. But I, I'm a little weird, weird, weirded out about the cowboy show. Now we need a sheriff. The show needs a sheriff. Like we lost a sheriff. Yeah, we just I lost guess- our sheriff. We need a sheriff. So we need another sheriff. Is it gonna be uh what's his name? Ezekiel? Was Zachary? <laughs> no, idiot. We have an Ezekiel. This is Ozzy. Ozzy, <laughs> that's it. So I know. <laughs> I'm just trying to grasp grasp at his Sorry. name. I didn't mean, Ozzy, so is he the new sheriff? He's a highwayman. He can't be the sheriff. We need a marshal. We don't need a sheriff. We need a marshal. Somebody who because a sheriff is for a town, marshal is for an uh uh an area, right? hmm So we we need a marshal. Is he the marshal? He might be. He might be the marshal. We need we need a marshal. Well, we need is uh, Timothy Oliphant
0: to join the show and become the marshal. That bet, would be the best. I bet you he'd do it. Seems like the kind of guy. Seems like the kind of thing he might do. Well, he he was a marshal in
1: Justified, which you still haven't seen, and I'm thinking about going back to watch because that was an awesome show.
0: All right, I might do that. I do want to do that someday. But these guys ride up. They introduce themselves as the highwaymen, and they say, "We're your escorts to the fair. We're at your service." And of course, Tara is surprised, but I guess she's not going to question them at this point because they got a few more zombies to kill before they're safe.
1: And Ozzy has a big pipe wrench. Like yeah, this, man. this big ass friggin' pipe wrench, which is awesome. Pretty sweet
0: weapon. Pretty wow. heavy fucking piece of steel. Yeah, absolutely. Good for smacking heads, for bashing heads. So we've got... Uh, now, back over with Henry and Lydia, they're up on a balcony keeping watch, and they see the Whisperers start to arrive in a small herd of zombies, uh, and Josh on the internet writes, my holy crap has to be that cute as hell little smile Lydia gives Henry when they're both out on the balcony. Yeah, about that, smiles like that can get us dudes to do almost Anything. Anything. Yeah, pretty much. thought that was pretty funny. She if I was, if I was their
1: age, that would have, uh, that would have won me over as a movie would now. Uh-huh. <laughs> if I, you know, being without a movie for six years and then being offered a movie, that smile would have done the same thing to me as a teen, as a late teenager.
0: There you go. Well, she gives him that little smile. We have a commercial break. And when we come back, their whispers are approaching and we see Beta is amongst them sort of in the middle. And he tells the other whispers to spread out. And then now Daryl's up on the balcony and he shoots one of them, which um, which was a little bit weird. And Anna from Wales writes, holy crap, why didn't Daryl shoot Beta with the bow and arrow from the balcony? After all, he did say they should kill Beta first. Uh, I reckon he and Connie could have taken out all the whispers in that group with their long range weapons if they wanted to. So, Jason, why didn't he shoot Beta when he? clearly had a shot at him. He didn't know which one was beta. I think that's the answer. He doesn't know who it is.
1: Well, he should have found the fuck out. Like he should have had a conversation with Lydia after, uh, she told him about beta. She's like, well, how will I know which one is him? Stick with me. And when you see him, tell me which one he is, you know, rather than, uh, you just say they're coming and then, uh, I'll shoot one at random. That looks like it might be somebody, it actually was a zombie because it was the guy that was bleeding uh, earlier, right?
0: Oh, I didn't pick up on that, but that yeah. was the guy? Okay.
1: That was the guy. He turned and he became a guardian and he took the shot for uh, for beta, I guess. Well, look at so that. So Daryl didn't even shoot a fucking guy. He just shot a zombie. A waste of a shot. I mean, sure, I think what he was doing was he, if you put a shot in the middle of a group of zombies – And it's quiet. They're not going to do anything. They're just going to keep going where they're going. But you put a shot into somebody or a zombie that's being herded by a whisperer, the whisperers are going to try and figure out where that shot came from and go after them. So Daryl was announcing their location with that shot Uh subtly. Yeah. Uh, So come to me. I'm I'm in here. Come up here, and he's trying to weed out the zombies from the from the whispers.
0: Right, and we do see Beta look up at him like immediately after that, and and you know, and give the instruction to spread out. So, uh, I I agree with that, and I think at the end of the day, Daryl just doesn't know which one Beta is. So if he'd shot Beta, it would have been purely dumb luck. Well, he should have had a conversation with Lydia. That was a stupid idea to say to like, well, I'm going to kill Beta first. Right. What does he look like? That'd be a good question to ask next. Sure. And he's a fairly distinct guy because he's like yeah. seven feet tall. Like all you had to do the, is like. Shoot the big guy.
1: He's like 47 feet tall and uh, he looks like he weighs, uh, you know, he weighs about uh, 380 pounds. Big, so big beard, shoot that guy.
0: You know, big beard, long hair and giant. Like aim for that one. Even if, even if yeah. it's not beta, like take that guy out from a distance because, you know, he could do some damage. <laughs> Hill giant. Just. Aim for the hill giant. Aim for the giant. Exactly. Uh, now we see the whisperers slash zombies pushing their way into the building. Beta instructs his people to head up because, you know, he, and he realizes that the barricaded staircases are a bit of a trap because he knows that, um, you know, they're heard that they're, they're controlling, won't be able to get up there. Uh, upstairs, our group is still boarding up some windows, Daryl takes Lydia and hides her in a storage closet because he says she can't be any help if she isn't going to fight. And then he leaves dog in there with her to guard her. Yep. And the whispers, they start, you know, sneaking through doors. Henry is hiding. He takes one down. Then Connie takes one down. Uh, Daryl is waiting silently with his crossbow trained on a door. And as Beta comes through, he shoots, but he's holding... Another door as a shield, and Daryl yeah. shoots into that, and it blocks Daryl's bolt.
1: Which is a dumbass thing to do. When somebody comes through a door, yeah, don't just shoot at the first thing. Like that works against zombies. That doesn't work against an intelligent uh, group of people coming through the door. Right. that's expecting a fight. So what you do is you wait until you ha- you know what your shot is before you take your shot.
0: Yeah, I I think he was just trying to catch him off guard, but I get what you're saying. You know, it's not often often going to work out because a human can plan their way through that door, whereas a zombie can't. Right. Right. And Daryl's used to fighting zombies. So, uh, well, and, you know, saviors. Yeah, he's fought a lot of people over the years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so I, I think it was a mistake Daryl made. Yeah, probably. But at the same time, like, that's not the right time to, to take a shot. In other ways, because if he's, if he's ready to do it as he's coming through the door, but he knows he's not going to be able to do it, then you might as well come up with a different plan to increase your chances of getting the shot because coming through the door, you're right. It's never going to work out. So
1: So I have some other questions. Well, I have one other question. Sure. The door that he was using as a shield. Mm -hmm. Was he? He like he put the door down after Daryl took the shot, and he walked through the other the double doors. He put the door down on the floor, and he could see over it. How fucking short was that door? I'm telling you, he's a big dude. Yeah, but he was able to get through the other doors with this door perfectly upright, right? So
0: it was a very very short door. I would, I was going to say maybe it was just a piece of plywood, but it wasn't. Cause I think you could see the door hinge on it that he ripped yeah, off from had, yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was an awfully short door,
1: even though Beta is flipping huge. He's a hill giant, but, uh, yeah, it's just, I, I, I have suspicions about that door being yeah. a real door.
0: Anyways, doesn't matter. It's more of a shield at this point anyways. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure much you can do about that. Uh, we see Connie. She takes down another whisper. Daryl acts as a guy right in the chest through, through a tarp, (laughs) (laughs) which was pretty cool. Uh, Lydia is in her closet. She can hear what's going on and is scared. So she isn't content to just stay in there and be safe. She finds a crowbar and pries the door open. And when she comes out, Henry gets stabbed in the leg by one of the whispers, but dog saves him. Dog takes the dude down. And then Connie kills another one, so um, I think that's all of them around them. They are safe for now. Uh, Sean, on the internet, writes, Holy crap, we're three deep in Michonne's. In The Walking Dead, we have Michonne. In Fear the Walking Dead, we got Dirty Michonne. And now this. We get Dirty Whisperer Michonne, and she's dead. <laughs> yeah. He's referring to the tracker Walker who had the dreadlocks, so she the didn't predator. last long. Predator, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's too
1: bad because I was uh, I was hoping that we'd get to keep predators Predator Whisper
0: around for a while
1: so I could make fun of her.
0: Well, sir, uh, sadly not. She's gone. Too already. many dreadlocks in this show. Too many. You can only have a few characters with one
1: perk. Well, I guess this is, was this was the whispers community dreadlock person. It's only one per community, right? We have, (laughs) uh, we have the kingdom. Uh, we have Alexandria. We have the whispers. We don't have anybody with dreadlocks at the hilltop, which is weird. That is weird.
0: We're going to have to find somebody. Heath. Heath should show up. He had dreadlocks. Yeah. Uh, did he? I haven't seen him in so long. I can't remember, but if he does, (laughs) he'll have to move into the hilltop. Well, he can't go back to Alexandria. No. Right? He's yeah. got to go to the hilltop. Definitely. Definitely. Oh, all right. So Daryl kills another Whisperer, and then he has to fight Beta. So this is our big, awesome Daryl Beta showdown. Um, they're on this floor of the building that is under construction. So there's lots of, lots of exposed studs, unfinished drywall, great opportunities for smashing through walls and picking up <laughs> two-by-fours and things like that. you ever that. tried to smash through a wall? Uh, you know what? You can punch through drywall. And especially- you can punch through drywall, but do you know how far apart studs are? 16 inches. In a wall? 16
1: o- inches. O-C. Do you think that uh, he was uh, going between 16 inch studs? He no. Was- absolutely not. They had skipped a stud. This is the worst construction <laughs> ever constructed. Like, so not to code. They, like, drywalled over big open areas. He broke through one wall. He broke through another wall. Uh, yeah, this construction site was was poorly done. It would have collapsed uh, if there was no zombie apocalypse.
0: Well, you know what? Um, it did make for a really awesome beta Kool-Aid man moment as he bust through the wall.
1: Yeah. And then they got out and they were having a knife fight. And there's an adage about a, a knife fight, right? When you get into a knife fight, somebody dies on the scene. the The winner, the loser dies on the scene. The winner dies in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. You do not survive a knife fight.
0: Knife fights you walk away from are not real (laughs) well i'll be honest i thought it was a pretty cool knife fight i thought the whole fight was pretty cool actually uh and i thought it was fun to see these two awesome characters just you know drop down and just i don't know what the term is just go to blows and and have this wicked fight so it was pretty one-sided though right I mean, Beta owned Daryl in this fight. Well, he
1: was toying with him. He was trying to find out where Lydia was. He wasn't trying to kill him. He was just playing with him.
0: I mean, initially, I think Daryl takes the worst of it, but you're right. Beta was trying to find out where Lydia was. He keeps asking throughout it, where is, you know, where is she? All I want is the girl and stuff like that. But I think Daryl gets a few shots in, you know?
1: Yeah, but they're
0: fairly meaningless. He, I mean, Daryl does nearly get his neck cut on a table saw, and he puts a switchblade into Beta's chest at one point, which I guess... That's true.
1: He did uh, he did get a shot there. That would have probably collapsed a lung.
0: Well, I don't know. It sort of went into his giant peck, so I don't know if it did too much damage, because Beta just pulls it out and seems no worse for wear. Um, But uh, I think it was a pretty good fight. I think you're right. Beta was more or less just toying with him. But each man got in some shots, I thought, and I enjoyed watching it. Anyways, at one point, Daryl kind of gets away a little bit and Beta doesn't see where he goes. So when he does enter that room, uh, Beta thinks Daryl is hiding behind some hanging plastic sheets. Really, he's in Connie's supply cache. And now I know exactly what you're going to say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was able to very quietly move that board aside, like silently,
1: like, like it was on freshly greased tracks that were
0: designed to not make any noise. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that, but maybe he did it slowly enough that he didn't make any noise. It was not slowly enough. Also impossible. Also
1: impossible. So yeah, unless he had uh, some kind of, uh, area effect silence spell that we don't know about, uh, which he might have. I'm not going to put it. I'm not going to put that past this show. This show is, uh, it's <laughs> it's a fantasy show, right? We it's basically set on the premise that uh, zombies are real, right? So if you can set that premise, you could set Daryl has a silence spell.
0: You know that is you know a five foot radius, uh, five foot area of effect. I I think it would be more appropriate to just file that in the Department of Sense, Suspension of disbelief. Along with the missing studs that allows them to break through walls fairly easily. That's right. Along with the missing studs, you know, maybe, uh, maybe the studs were missing because some other group needed two by fours and they came and scavenged every other stud from this construction site. There were metal studs. Were they? Yeah. Well, maybe they needed metal studs. I don't know. One metal stud. (laughs) Just one. Because
1: that's going to make it make the difference. Anyways. Something like one metal stud by itself Mm -hmm. is pretty flimsy.
0: Yeah, or maybe someone took it as a weapon and then left, and that's why they it, didn't take more.
1: It it's like having a uh, a Nerf baseball bat. I don't think it'd be much of a weapon.
0: <laughs> no, but fun to play with, no doubt. <laughs> well, Daryl moves the board a little bit. He sneaks out and runs at Beta from behind and pushes him down an elevator shaft. Yeah. So that's awesome. We, he's defeated. Yeah, we assume Beta. he's dead. We assume he's dead. He's defeated he's Beta. Not dead.
1: I knew he wasn't dead for two two reasons. Reason the first, he we didn't show him dead. Uh huh. You're not dead until I can see you dead, and that's why I suspect other people are not dead in this show, uh, or in related shows, <laughs> unless I see you dead. <laughs> yeah, you're not dead. First, second of all, we've never seen Beta without his mask. He, they're not going to kill him off until we see his face.
0: Hmm. Or. I mean, that moment may be at his moment of death. You know, he's about to die. You take his mask off and it's- Well, that's his hero moment, right? I realize it was you all along. (laughs) Hey, I know you.
1: (laughs) Right. It's Rick. (laughs) Oh my (laughs) God. He's back.
0: Uh, Yeah. So I knew he couldn't die because he hasn't taken his mask off. Right. Well, I guess that makes a little bit of sense. But for now, he was pushed down an elevator shaft and not a lot of people survive that.
1: Well, I don't know in uh, like who falls down elevator shafts. Um I don't know, Jason, who this does fall down elevator shafts? People in soap operas. Oh. And people in soap operas come back from the dead all the time. Yeah, fair point, right? <laughs> I mean that happened to Joey on Friends. His character on a soap opera was he was a Dr. Drake Rumore mm-hmm. was pushed down an elevator shaft, and he was miraculously saved by having a brain. Well, he wasn't saved. They took somebody else's brain and put it into Dr. Drake Rumore, and he played that character. So uh, people come back from the dead all the time by falling down elevator shafts. Spoilers so, for
0: Friends. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the '90s. Get over it. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah, I mean, nobody really believed he was dead, but at the very least, Daryl got away successfully and incapacitated Beta for a while.
1: He should have made sure he was dead. That's another, you know, he has a, has a crossbow, reload the crossbow, take a look down the elevator shaft and put one in his fucking head. It
0: seemed a little dark to do that, but I was thinking, grab a filing cabinet or go get that table saw and just throw it down there. I mean, that's gonna no, that was also a big workbench. Yeah, anything. Throw the
1: bench down, throw the table saw down, start piling stuff on top of him. If he's not dead, he's
0: not going to be able to dig himself out. Well, and nobody survives a table saw landing on them from the top of an elevator shaft. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, we don't know either way. I don't know if that's ever happened. Has that happened? (laughs) I'm just saying, I'm pretty sure that kind of thing landing on you, even if it's just 20 feet above, I mean, unless it just lands on your foot or something probably going to kill you get a filing cabinet throw it down there it's probably going to do the job
1: yeah there's lots of stuff you could throw down there pieces of wall Mm -hmm. i mean there was enough light later on we could see like there's other uh like the elevator shaft has other elevator doors or entrances for elevators so there was some light down there Uh so it was just it was dark compared to that lit floor Uh uh-huh right but you know you let your eyes adjust a little bit You take a couple of shots. Oh, I missed his head because it's too dark. I might as well shoot him again in the head because I don't have any time constraints anymore. Right. So anyway, uh,
0: if you're going to do a job, make sure you do the job. Well, Sally on the internet writes, did you see that beta male who is totally not a beta male? As soon as Daryl dropped him down that elevator shaft, I knew he was far from gone. It was essentially his dumpster escape. I don't think we're in dumpster gate territory and I'm I I have a we'll get to it okay yes I agree with you but I don't want to give my reasoning quite yet all right fair enough one more Jack on the internet writes I know everyone is going to be commenting on that fight but I loved it Daryl quickly realized he's outmatched, so he thinks his way through the fight, and it was so badass. I would have loved to see him use Beta's mask against him, maybe pull it down over his eyes or twist it sideways, but who cares? It was just awesome. Great work, The Walking Dead.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, and he had a big, long friggin' coat, like a cape. We all know what happens to people wearing capes. You pull it up over their head and blind them. Or they get stuck in fans or jet engines (laughs) or table saws. Or something that's going down the elevator shaft. Yeah. Right? Like
0: clamp onto that cape and then throw the thing down the elevator shaft and you're going with it. That's right. But no, none of that happened. But now that Beta's still alive, all those options are still on the table for a later episode. That's true. So that's exciting. Uh, after a commercial break, we are back uh, at the kingdom. It looks like the fair is ready to go. The highwaymen are now there; they've been granted access, and they all seem to be friends now. Um, Ozzie tips his hat to Ezekiel and Carol. The folks yeah, from he's the-, the marshal. He's the marshal. Okay, he's the marshal. Well, the folks from the hilltop are safely there, of course, because they were escorted. And Earl mentions that they were going to find somebody to take the baby. But Tammy has decided to keep him, so he's their baby now. They'll be raising him. Carol realizes quickly that Henry isn't there, and Tara's surprised because, uh, well, Daryl and him were supposed to meet them there.
1: Yeah, well, you don't have to be that surprised. I mean, so they're, yes, you're supposed to meet them there, but what are the odds that you're going to get there at exactly the same time? Sure, they may have
0: left a little earlier, but just like, well, yeah, I am
1: supposed to meet him here. He's not here yet.
0: Oh, okay. Well, we'll wait for him then. Right? Oh, come on! But Tara knows Daryl went out after Henry, who was going out after Lydia, so they were bound to run into some trouble. So it is concerning that they're not there yet. Um, Not necessarily because anything's gone wrong, but I think that's a fair assumption to come to. They were going out, but they were going out to
1: do something else. They weren't coming straight to the fair, right?
0: Well, so they were yeah. going to do
1: something else. So the, the, being surprised that they're what, not here yet, it's just like, well, give them half an hour to maybe show up at almost exactly the same time as you.
0: I guess we, they, we don't know. They're not going to do that yet, though. They're just concerned, right? Because they were delayed by the block in the road and they left well after Daryl left. So they've already had more time to get there. So I, I see the concern, but you're right. I mean, maybe wait it out a little more before you panic. Don't, don't freak out just because he's not here yet. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, but I understand their concern. Anyways, we go back over to Connie and she is on that balcony again, shooting out car windows to distract the walkers, uh, I guess so they can get them out of the building so they can get out safely. Mm -hmm. Uh, they tie up Henry's leg and Daryl says that they're now going to Alexandria because it's the closest. And he says they'll get him patched up and then all of them, including Lydia, will move on. So he's kind of changed his tune here. He's decided to hang on to her and keep her with them.
1: Yeah. So they solved problem A, they got away, but Mm -hmm. they still haven't solved problem B. And, you know, going to Seattle is not going to solve problem B. No. Problem B being uh, Alpha being pissed. And attacking Hilltop.
0: Yeah. Um, But I thought this was also interesting because, you know, Daryl says, we'll move on from Alexandria once you're patched up. And Henry wants to know where. And Daryl says, I don't know. There's a whole world out there. Which Which, mirrors exactly what Henry said. uh, Yes, exactly. Exactly. But I think it's interesting that Daryl is kind of admitting that, okay, maybe you can just run away and find safety on your own. uh, And maybe I'll come with you. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't see Daryl leaving like that, but at least he's acknowledging that these two characters, in theory, could run off together and find safety somewhere else. But you're right. It doesn't solve problem B that Alpha's still coming for them.
1: Yeah. And well, Daryl's obviously not going to leave because he's now the big, the big guy on the show. He's right? the top cheese. So yeah, he's the top cheese, and he can't uh, he can't leave the show. It's not like they're going to spin him off into another show of uh, Daryl and Henry and Lydia and Connie. Uh, <laughs> are
0: you sure they are working? No, I'm not show. absolutely
1: sure, but I don't think they're going to do that now. Not with him, like not so soon after Rick and uh, right uh, and pff, Maggie leave left. Yeah. So and uh, Michonne's leaving. So no, they can't. They can't do it. They can't. They can't lose Daryl. He's. Uh, He's unkillable yeah, right at, now at this point, and unleavable.
0: Right. But but he's acknowledging that Henry and Lydia could run off together and maybe be okay, which he but, didn't before, right? He's like, you can't leave. I mean, you are, what about Carol? She. You can't just leave and abandon your family. So, yeah. Well, we flash cut to the elevator shaft. The camera slowly approaches it, goes down into it. And of course we see Beta lying at the bottom or... I think he's actually on top of the elevator car. so he, he is. Yeah. We don't know how far he fell necessarily. Three stories. Well, it wasn't, how do you know it was three stories? I counted. You counted? Yeah. I wanted to see how far he fell. Okay. So you counted <laughs> stories. All right. Yeah.
1: So uh, yeah, three stories. There was a, uh, well, elevator shaft, and then there was two stories below it, and the car was halfway down to a uh, third story, so Two and a half to three stories. I'd say about 25
0: feet. Hmm. That's pretty far, but. It is pretty far, but it's survivable. It's pretty survivable too. And I'll tell you why. I have a feeling you fell off a tree 25 feet when (sighs) you were 17. My (laughs) uncle did. My uncle's a construction, or was a construction
1: worker. Shit. uh, And uh, this was back in the early nineties. He wasn't tied off properly and he fell 26 feet onto a, uh, a pallet of metal bars. So he felt it was a fucking big fall and he broke both his legs and a vertebrae and like had all kinds of other issues, but he survived and he's fine. And he completely healed since then. And he's still alive and kicking now. And this was 20 years ago. So that's why I counted. I wanted to see how far he fell and he fell about three stories, which is about what my uncle fell and he survived. It's, it can kill you, but it is a survivable fall. And I know that from uh, someone who did it. Fair enough. So the fact that he's still alive is plausible and it's okay in my book. And he's also a hill giant, so he probably has more hit points than uh, the rest of us. So (laughs) sure, he's got a knife in the shoulder, but he pulled that out because there was hit armor and stuff on. So uh, yeah, I mean, there's the pool of blood underneath him. So it probably hurt. And, you know, my uncle was in the hospital for months afterwards. Right? Of course. Like, it's not yeah. like the kind of thing where you get up and walk away. But like I said, he's a hill giant. He's fine. All right.
0: Well. He, he, he'll walk it off. Yeah. He he seems to be able to do that. He he slowly gets himself up. He does appear to be in a great deal of pain uh, as you- yeah, That's just pissing him off though, right? As, that's just- Well, you would yeah. be, yeah. He's, um, what's
1: it called? And uh, I think it's fourth edition D&D. When you lose half your hit points, you get like a second wind. You like get this, uh, you know, mm. you- He's starting to uh get really pissed off at that point, and you can fight a little bit harder because you're injured.
0: You run on adrenaline and uh yeah. things like that, okay, well, maybe that's what he's going, but he he grunts a whole bunch and stands up and looks back up the elevator shaft and uh, we cut the black episode over so um despite falling down the elevator shaft, beta is still alive. Henry and Lydia might be on the run. And we have a whole bunch of new friends in the Highwaymen.
1: Yeah. And uh, obviously now in this elevator shaft, we now know for sure that uh, there was enough light and within range for Daryl to get a nice clean headshot. But
0: he chose to assume that Beta was dead instead. Yeah. Hmm. That may come back to haunt him (laughs) later on. Yeah, for sure. Well, Justine in NorCal writes... Holy crap, when did The Walking Dead become Walker, Texas Ranger? How Uh cheesy was it when the Highwaymen showed up just in time to save Tara's group and the leader tipped his hat to Tara and she gazed at him like, who is this tall, handsome stranger? (sighs) Then the episode turned from cheesy 80s television show to schlocky 80s horror flicks with the quote unquote shocking reveal at the end that Beta didn't die. Did anyone think he was dead after he fell down that elevator shaft? I sure didn't. And no way Daryl did either. Yeah. So what does that mean? Like Daryl, Daryl knows he's alive. No, I think Daryl assumes he's dead.
1: You push a guy off the CN tower. You can go ahead and assume that he's dead, right? (laughs) Just go ahead. I guess. Yeah. You push somebody down an elevator shaft in a six story building and you probably know where that elevator is you don't assume he's dead. It's not like the elevator, uh, the elevator, the roof of the elevator is covered in spikes, right? Like, you know, if it was covered in spikes, maybe you could assume he's dead. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Daryl is not that stupid. All right. Well, he's like, Oh, the plot's telling me to turn around and just assume he's dead. So I guess I have
0: to. Yeah, I guess so. Well, as a viewer, I thought the fight was great. And yes, it, it, Bugged me a little bit that Beta wasn't dead, but I didn't find it surprising at all. Obviously, uh, and I'm sure there are there's lots more awesomeness to come with Beta. And now we get maybe to have a rematch between Daryl and Beta. That could be pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, we definitely. the The biggest kicker for me was we didn't get Beta's hero moment. We didn't get his that, that mask being removed. We didn't see uh, he's still this uh, menace creature,
0: right? Yeah, a little bit mysterious. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, I guess we do have to get that kind of thing. Maybe there's and now, going- And
1: now we know he's unkillable.
0: Well- right?
1: right? Like, uh, I just, I know I keep bringing up Lost, but it's like that uh, that one-eyed guy in Lost that was at the uh, the station with all the communication stuff, the Russian guy, they killed him, and then he survived that, and they tried to kill him again, and then they survived that, and then they
0: kept trying to kill this guy, and he was just unkillable. mm Maybe they're setting up another fight between Beta and Daryl, which um, Beta is going to basically win. And then we have to have a third tiebreaker fight, and that's where one of them goes down. Oh, grudge match. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what we need. Um, And then, you know, otherwise, as I said earlier, I kind of had to convince myself that the Highwaymen – were a good addition to the show. I wasn't so sure at first, but by the end I was kind of on board. And frankly, I'm glad they did that because I didn't need another sort of antagonistic group or even just a difficulty for our survivors based on everything that was going on currently. So it's nice that they just introduced them. Oh, look, and now we're friends and you can just come to the fair and everything will be fine. So I'm sort of okay with it now.
1: Well, now they, well, I'm not I'm okay with how they made them friends. Mm-hmm. I'm not okay with now we have a days ex Machina, a walking days ex Machina group that can just show up and save the day, uh, wherever, uh, there, there is trouble. They're just going to show up your
0: friendly neighborhood highwayman to, uh, to save you. And I wonder though, do you think they're going to be a, a significant part of the show for the rest of this season?
1: No, they're just going to show up and wherever they need a way out of
0: uh, an untenable situation. No, but I mean, they're not going to do that, right? They're not going to have the Highwaymen. They've men... already done it. Right. So they're not going to do it again. They're, I mean, the Highwaymen are now characters on the show. They're part of the group. They're either going to be part of all of the plot lines or they're going to blend in and become background characters. And it seems like a... Weird, big introduction for a group of characters, or at least one, because we really only know the one guy so far, Ozzy. It seems like a weird introduction to just have them blend in as background characters. But maybe the whole idea is they're introducing Ozzy for some reason to serve some purpose in the show. And the rest of the Highwaymen are just going to kind of be there. And, you know, they'll they'll be in the background on runs and hanging around, growing doing stuff at the various communities, but they're not really going to be integral to it, except maybe for Ozzy.
1: Right. So
0: he's Nikki and Paolo all rolled into one. Maybe they're introducing Ozzy just to be killed off in the season finale. I don't know, but yeah, you know, we'll have to see, but I don't think it's going to be like, we never see them until somebody gets into trouble out on the road. And then all of a sudden they show up. That will be so stupid.
1: (laughs) The show's done that like seven times already. Now they have a dedicated group
0: of people to do just that. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, people run into trouble and usually have to get out of it themselves. Usually. Right. And Except
1: I, for when a tiger shows up and can climb walls. Yeah. Right? Remember? Yeah, when, yeah. Remember when the tiger showed up and came out of nowhere?
0: I know. It was the tiger from nowhere. But uh, I suppose, I see what you're saying, but I don't know. it. So it's all very sort of confusing at this point, what the point of these highwaymen are. Uh, they have a cool name, though, The Highwaymen. I like it. That's a good name.
1: You could name a band that. That'd be a good name for it. Probably is a band named The Highwaymen. Prob- I can't imagine there wouldn't be.
0: Probably be lots. Dumb. Yeah, there's probably lots out there already. So, um. okay, well. There's a band named The Beatles. <laughs> B-E-A-T, Beatles. That's a dumb name. Well, it worked the for Foo them. Foo Fighters. Come on. <laughs> That seems to work for them too, though. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, there was, yeah, I watched a documentary with Dave Grohl, and he said, You know, if I thought that this band would be this serious and this would last this long, I would have come up with a better name. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Grohl's so awesome.
0: Dave Grohl's the best person ever. I mean, and, the guy falls that, off the stage, breaks his leg, and continues the show. He does cool things for fans. He's super talented.
1: Yeah, he's awesome. When, uh, uh, I watched that same documentary when uh, Kirk Cobain and uh, the the bass guitarist—I forget his name—they were looking for a drummer and they went through like five drummers, and uh, they were auditioning drummers. And uh, Kirk Cobain called their manager and said, "You know
0: what? I think I found the best drummer in the world. He's not wrong. No, he's not wrong. And Dave Grohl can play every other instrument really well too. Yeah. So yeah, he's
1: uh, he's yeah, he's better than a regular human.
0: I'm sure of it." I think so. I think so. Yeah. Anyway. Um, How did we get on to Dave Grohl? Oh, Foo Fighters. Bad name. Got it. Good. <laughs> the Highwaymen. Pretty good name. <laughs> that's a good name. All right. Well, I like this episode. Um, it took me a while to sort of get through it all uh, and just come to terms with everything there. But I did like it. I think there was lots to like here. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's it. Any, anything else you, you want to bring up?
1: Overall, I think I like this. It gave me something to hang on to with the Whisperers in their society. Uh, You know, a little bit more background on the Whisperers, which I kind of liked. I'm starting to get on board with Beta. I think that uh, if I think of him as an unkillable hill giant, I'm fine with him. And I'm fine with whatever happens as long as he doesn't die until he takes his mask off. Because he's like the actual Samson, whereas Carol's the reverse Samson, right? Uh huh. Uh, So... That's good. I mean, I had some technical issues with the uh, with the fight in the uh, in the construction site because of the silent uh, the silent
0: board and the missing studs that mm-hmm. allowed you to break through and walk through walls, like like you say, like the Kool Aid guy. Yeah, but it's, see, it's a trade off. You you have some missing studs, but you get beta Kool Aid guy moment. I mean, is that good or bad? I
1: mean, we've had some good construction site. Well, we had a good construction site chase with the uh, the James Bond movie. That was awesome. That opening scene where he was chasing the guy, the uh, parkour through the construction site. Sure. That was <laughs> nothing short of amazing. Okay. So uh, it can be done. I just don't think that that fight was
0: amazing. All right. Well, the fight itself, I thought, was, was pretty good. Um, okay. Well. Not a, not a, maybe not Angela's best episode, but.
1: Oh, but it was, that's nitpicking though. I mean, yeah. overall, I think I'd give this probably an 80%. Well, that's right? pretty solid. Yeah. So yeah, it is a solid episode, but you know, it, in order to be perfect, it has to be perfect. And this episode was not perfect.
0: Sure. Uh, I also continue to enjoy the dynamic between Daryl and Connie. I think they're great together. They're working oh, yeah, well they, together. Oh absolutely. They can start, they can read each other's minds now, which is nice. They, uh, you're right. They've kind of got there. They, they, she reads his lips, but you know, and writes notes, but they're definitely on the same page. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they got have they, they have a, they have a psychic bond now that they can understand each other easily. They've got a thing going. Yeah.
0: And I'm looking forward to where, where it all goes. You know, I mean, I know you were talking about how there's no way Daryl's going to leave off with Henry and Lydia. I don't even think Henry and Lydia are going anywhere, but just the idea that these, Three now are kind of community-less in a way. You know, they're going to go to Alexandria just for the medical help, but then they're going to leave. And I guess they can go back to Hilltop. They're supposed to go to the kingdom. Um, We do need to have a a reunion between Carol and, and Henry and Ezekiel, because that's what happens with families. But they're a little bit aimless because of Lydia. They don't know what to do with her, where to take her, other than the fact that they know they can't just kick her to the curb and leave her on her own because she's got nowhere else to go.
1: Ah, well, what do you do when you meet a, meet a girl that you like and you want to start hanging around with and you start kissing a little bit? What do you, what do you do? You take them to the Caribbean. <laughs> you go right? to Cancun, baby. You go to, go to the Caribbean and sit on an island, sit on a beach somewhere, yeah. make a tree house.
0: <laughs> <laughs> make a tree house. Sounds like a plan to me. Yeah. All right, well, that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast, everyone. We'll be back later this week with your feedback. So if you'd like to send in some feedback, please do get in touch with us. You can visit our website at TalkingDeadPodcast.com. Click on Send Voicemail at the top to record a message. You can also just record it into your phone and email it to us. That is an even better way because the quality is usually pretty good. And you can send those emails to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. I do try to read through everything that happens on our page there if you want to leave some comments. And yeah, that's it. Those are the best ways to get in touch with us. So thank you so much, everyone. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.